You're listening to Randall Parker from Randall Parker's Film Club. Now, you're probably wondering what I'm doing. Well, I just thought I should let you all know that somehow I've managed to catch Covid. Typical Randall, that ain't it. Gets it after everyone else has had it. Always been the same. I mean, we didn't get a video till gone 1987, and we only got the internet a couple of years ago. Mum thought it was the work of the devil until Mr White told her she could watch Holmes under the hammer on it any time she liked. But it's always been the same for as long back as I can remember. I must have been the only lad riding to college on a rally chopper. But I've gone off topic a bit there, haven't I? Uh, what happened was, this morning, old Joe was round here and we were watching Lorraine. Well, we were trying to, but Judith kept getting in the way. For some reason, the conversation got round to how the lazy fat cow has to take a Covid test three times a week, ever since she managed to wipe out a full old folks home a while back. I just happened to say, right, that since all this bollocks kicked off, I've not taken a test, ever. And old Joe thought it'd be a laugh if I did one, so I pops off into my bathroom, does one, and it turns out I'm riddled with the fucking stuff. But it is good to know who your friends are in a time of crisis, ain't it? As soon as the two lines appeared on the test, old Joe and fat Judith legged it out of me gaff, and old Joe shouted at me to stay the fuck away from him. I don't know what he's so worried about. He's had eight jabs and three boosters. He's currently daubing my front door with a red cross and has spray-painted unclean across my front window. So as of now, I'm adhering to the current government's advice and stopping in my gaff on me tod. I'm not going out for at least ten days. You know, just so I don't kill anyone. But the strange thing is, at the moment, I feel fine and as fit as a fiddle. It's quickly become apparent that there's fuck all to do. I'm sat here watching telly, but even that's just become piss boring. Which is odd, because that's what I normally do all day, but once the option of fucking off down the library or the shops is off the table, all I've wanted to do is fuck off down the library or the shops. So I thought a good way to pass the time and keep myself sane would be to record a sort of Covid diary, and you can keep me company and stop me going off me fucking rocker. So I thought I'd record one a day until I'm either better or drop down dead. I'll just sit here alone in my bungalow, chat shit and tell you what I've been up to and what's running through my head. Don't think I've spoke to you since Christmas, have I? Uh, so I'll best fill you in what happened on Christmas Day, ain't I? Uh, first part of it was quite nice. Mum was stopping here with me in the bungalow and she was up at the cracker dorm preparing the turkey and everything and we exchanged gifts and all was going swimmingly. Old Joe from next door popped round, we had lunch and Mum had just about finished off all the washing up and all three of us were dropping off on the sofa when there's this knock at the door, right? It's Mr White and he turns up as pissed as ourselves demanding to speak to Mum. Now Mum tells him to fuck off and he keeps insisting on talking to her saying that he couldn't live without her now she made his life complete and she replies fuck off you daft twat. Anyway he starts to cry and old Joe gets up and he says I think the lady wants you to go now and Mr White gets really angry and he says to Mum fucking hell Maureen didn't take you how long did it? Then Joe says I really think you should leave mate and Mr White says I should knock your block off mate and Joe says well you're quite welcome to try you daft fanny. Well, then they take it outside on the front lawn, begin to dance around a bit, you know, taking pathetic swings at each other. Then Joe looks up at the sky and says, Oh, look, a plane. Honestly, who goes on holiday on Christmas Day? So, Mr White looks up, and when he does, Joe gives him a full punt to the tater sack, and Mr White goes down. But as he goes down, Joe brings up his knee and makes contact with Mr White's nose, and blood pisses everywhere, right? Then, from nowhere, Mum legs it out of the bungalow, screaming like a banshee. She picks up old Joe and bungs him in a bush, which is about 20 feet away, right? Which is about 6.1 metres in new money. And she picks up Mr White and then carries him into the bungalow, straight into my bedroom, and they stay there for the rest of the day. You should have heard him going at it. Fucking, it was disgusting in my bed. In our boxing day, I had to nip off to the sales and buy a new mattress, because there was a big stain on that one. I'd only had it about a month. 
Anyway, I fished old Joe out of the bush and checked he was okay, and he said he was fine and then thanked me for the best Christmas he'd had for ages. So since then, Mr White and Mum have been holed up at his place, constantly banging. I actually phoned Mum about an hour ago to explain that I wouldn't be popping round to do me washing as normal because I got COVID-19, and she said, get this right, what's that? So I says to her, where the fuck have you been for the last two years? Everyone on the planet knows what COVID-19 is. Then I realised she spent most of the last two years handcuffed to the pipes in the airing cupboard, so I suppose you can cut her a bit of slack there. I did ask if she remembered the lockdowns and why did she think I was on furlough from Wharton Bailey? And she said she just presumed I'd been sacked for perving at the ladies in the toilets. But thinking about it, right, before the constant games of Sticky Belly with Mr White, lockdown was sort of a permanent state for her. She stayed in most of the time, doing fuck all and going to the shops on her own, and the general public do tend to stay more than two metres away from her. Also, she don't watch the news and only picks up a newspaper when she's run out of shit roll. I also did find Mr White this morning, just in case he needed me back at White and Bailey Fabrication, and told him in my current predicament, and he said I wasn't to worry about work and just concentrate on getting better. He did also say he'd drop by after work and leave me some shopping by the door, which was kind of him, and I told him to go to a proper shop and not the Aldi, because I only like the brands. People do say you can't tell the difference, but they're just talking shite. Tell you what, things must be bad. I've got arms under the hammer on, and I fucking hate that show. Just in case you're wondering, I'm recording this the same way I usually record my podcast, on my laptop. What, because Alan left me when he passed away? As has been well documented, Alan did pass away in a pervy sex act, and I got most of his stuff. And I do wonder if the way he died has got something to do with some of the letters on this keyboard stick. You know, it used to piss me off when I was a kid, right? I was always being compared to Alan. Oh, I bet Alan eats his peas. Oh, I bet Alan listens in class. I bet Alan's never got a tennis ball stuck up his arse. I won three quid off Donny Tucker winning that bet. Sometimes we used to go on holiday together with my granddad, just us three, and on the whole, we used to get on. And on the six weeks holidays, there was always someone to hang around with. As thick as thieves we were when we were little, but after granddad passed away, I got the impression that for some reason, Alan blamed me for his death. You know, just little things he'd do or say, things like, you kill granddad, you fucking monster. As we grew up, we hung around less and less, and he'd be mixing with his circle of mates, and I'd be mixing with mine. Well, mainly on my own. Anyways, one day, I get a call from Uncle Kenny asking me if I'll nip round to his flat and check on him, as no one had seen or heard of him for a couple of days, and he hadn't turned up at work. So I went round, and I was the one who found him. Yeah, it weren't pretty. It destroyed me Auntie Caroline, and she weren't herself for ages. I mean, she forgot my birthday, and that was a couple of weeks after the funeral, even though I kept reminding her. But to be fair, I did get a nice couple of pairs of shoes, some clothes, and other bits and bobs. Every now and then, though, when I'm using this laptop, a rogue image pops up, which can be quite embarrassing if you're in the library and an image of a man's hairy arse pops up on the screen. Donna, you know, the girl from next door, she came round to check on me, which I thought was really nice of her. Anyway, Donna spoke to me through the back window and she left me a pad of paper and a pen and asked me to list everything in the flat and told me not to worry about a thing and if I didn't make it through, she'd make sure that all of my stuff found a good home. Then she asked me to pay Pal a 30 quid. I suppose that's it really. Can't really think of anything else to say for now. Uh, God knows what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. Might treat myself to a tug and a bath and I'll catch up with you tomorrow. Well, unless I don't make it through the night... Tudor for a bit.
You're listening to Randall Parker from Randall Parker's Film Club. I'm still not dead yet, battling on. I tell you what though, today ain't been a good day and I've not been coping well at all. Kicked off about 20 past 10 this morning, I put the kettle on ready for Popmaster and went into the cupboards and I'd run out of toffee crisps. Fucking nightmare. Had to make do with a twirl, ice cube, a fucking twirl with a cup of tea. Anyway, I sent Mr White an emergency text telling him about the toffee crisp situation, telling him to drop a couple of packs off, and that was over 20 minutes ago, and he's not been in touch. It's fucking boring, this old Covid lot. I'm here on me Todd, still got no symptoms, just sat here with nothing to do. Bored out of my fucking skull. I mean, there's only so much wanking you can do. After the eighth go, it tends to get a bit samey. But I do often think that if this was a sport, I could have been an Olympic champion. Well, maybe not that good, but I could probably have turned professional, been county champion at least. Although thinking about it, right, if it were a sport, there would be no way I would have been able to beat Peter Arnold. He was always getting told off at school for it. I think he probably had some sort of medical condition. He owns a local chippy now. Tried to watch a film, but I couldn't concentrate. Watched a bit of telly, and I'm sure that it's the same fucking episode of Holmes Under the Hammer as yesterday. But it is hard to judge with that, ain't it? Had a go at reading the local paper, but they're still banging on about the mysterious disappearance of fat-handed Beryl, the wanking barmaid from the Dog and Partridge. It's getting a bit boring now. Now, the only bit of variety came when Sharon the vicar came round to talk to me about God through the letterbox. They all come out the woodwork when they've got you cornered, don't they? Have faith that the Lord shall steer you through these trying times, she shouted. At least I thought that's what she said. I was midway through me lunchtime crap at the time. Put you right off your push when someone starts talking to you when you're crowning. I had to pinch it and bake it for later. I must have been fucking bored because I decided to engage in conversation. And she was there saying that if I wanted she could say a prayer for me and hopefully, you know, bring me some comfort. She only probably knocked on to see if I'd leave a few quid to the church if I croak. I told her not to waste her time and I thought God was a load of bollocks and religion is a pile of dog shit. As you can imagine, this did not go down too well. She said that I'd only said that because there was a door between us and she'd get me when I'm better and she's got a long memory. Fucking elephants do, don't they? I kind of wish now that I hadn't said that as since then I've not seen a soul and I would love a chat. It's just me sat here all alone. You know, it's times like this I think about Adelina. What it could have been if Mum hadn't called the home office. Not sure if I've mentioned her before. Still hurts to talk about. Still quite raw. But we're all friends here, aren't we? And this is about ten years ago now. Well, before I was working at White and Bailey, if it was a nice day, I used to have this little routine where I'd go get a paper, have a bit of a walk, and if it was nice, I'd go and sit in Queen's Park. You know, on my favourite bench. The one that least stinks of dog shit. Anyway, this one day I was sat there and this young woman just comes over and sits next to me on the bench and just out of the blue starts talking to me. Now, I'm sure you can imagine this thing never, ever happens to me. A woman coming up to me in the park and starting a conversation. Well, unless it's the local PCSO who's making sure I'm not taking any dirty pictures of the kiddies on the swings. Anyway, so after a while she asked me if I'd like to take her for a coffee and we could chat. So I says to her, we could stop here, as I've got a flask of warm Ribena, and she could have the cup and I'd swig straight from the flask. And we got on like house on fire. She seemed to be hanging on my every word, and she was really good looking. She got everything you could want in a lady, and, and she was a lady, 
long dark hair, beautiful skin, enchanting smile, two eyes, very important that last bit. Too many people don't take depth perception seriously in the bedroom. I read an article about it in Take a Break once. Poor bloke, they couldn't stitch it back on. Anyway, we arranged to meet the following day and that night I couldn't sleep. Adelina was her name and she was from Romania. Adelina means noblewoman in Romanian. Uh, each morning we would meet in the park. I'd be sat on my bench and Adelina would arrive in the back of a white transit van, climb out the back, walk over to me and we'd just sit and talk on the bench. We'd chat, have a warm Arbina and slowly we began to fall in love. I'd, n- I'd never felt like that before. Everything about her was just perfect. Looking back, I don't remember whose idea it was to get married, but we both knew that this thing we had, whatever it was, was something really special, and we wanted to be together forever. We knew that some people would say it was too soon, and Adelina decided that we should keep it between ourselves until after the ceremony. So I made all the necessary arrangements, and Adelina said that it was the tradition in her country that I should pay for everything, tell no one about it, and just turn up at the registry office. She said to me that we'd get married, become husband and wife, and then she could nip off and photocopy the marriage certificate as soon as we possibly could. It was as if all my dreams had come true. I couldn't believe how lucky I was. This beautiful woman wanted to be my wife, and we were going to be together forever. All was going to plan, and our wedding day arrived, and I turned up at the registry office and waited, and waited, and waited. Six fucking hours I waited, and she never showed up. Anyway, I went the next day, just in case I got my dates mixed up, but nothing. It was as if she'd disappeared off the face of the earth. I went to a bench, walked around town in the vain Opusina. I even contacted the police, tried to file a missing persons report, but they looked at me like I was some sort of nutter. I was heartbroken. Then about a week or two later, I hear Mum talking to Mrs Carter, the old bird who used to live next door. Right, apparently Mum had been going through my pant drawer and found my paperwork and called the Home Office, who arrested Adelina, deported her and gave Mum a 500 quid reward. I was in pieces. I couldn't believe Mum would do something like that. She hurt me so much that I didn't speak to her for the rest of the day. I look back on those days as the happiest eight days of my life, the eight days that I was in love with Adelina. I, I, I know we never went to bed. I mean, I didn't even copper feel. In fact, looking back, I don't think we even kissed. But she often pops up into my thoughts, usually late at night when I'm having a crafty stroke. Actually, I think I'm going to nip off now while she's fresh in my memory. Right, I'll catch you again tomorrow. Well, that's unless I don't make it through the night. To off for a bit. You're listening to Randall Parker from Randall Parker's Film Club. Welcome back to day three of the Covid Diaries. Still no symptoms, feel as fit as a flea, and I thought I'd give you an update whilst I make a brew. Uh, as I think, what's been going on since I last spoke to you? Uh, fuck all, really. Highlight of the day was when Mr White dropped off me shopping on his way to work this morning. Uh, he shouted through the letterbox to see if I was OK, which I was. Yeah, that was the main highlight. Then... There was uh, having a triple S, you know, shit, shave, shower, got dressed. Don't really know why I bothered. It's not like any of the loose women would give a fuck if I'm sat there in my wire fronts. They wouldn't even bat an eye if they were the ones with the owls in it, you know, the one where me bollock pops out. But I thought to myself, Randall, kid, you've got to have some pride. 
keep things up to a certain standard. I did notice this morning that me hair's getting in a right state. I haven't had it cut since I moved into the bungalow. You see, Mum used to cut me hair for me. Don't trust barbers, and I hate having me hair cut. There's this bloke in town, Mr Ely. He's been there for fucking decades, right? He must be about 100, right? Everyone used to go to him. You know, and I used to go when I was a kid. Now, old man Ely, right, he likes a drink. But if you get there before lunchtime, apparently you're fine and dandy. Does a good job. Well, I won't say good, he does an adequate job, right? But steer fucking clear if you're requiring a bit of a trim in the afternoon. During lunchtime, Mr Ely can be found in one of two places. Either the Snug of the Dog and Partridge or the main bar of the Lamb and Flag. He does love a tipple at lunchtime and, as you can imagine, it does throw his aim off. Uh, back in 1983, Donny Tucker lost the top of his ear and since then I've refused to go and get me hair cut. Mum used to have a right to do when she used to try and drag me down to get a trim. I used to kick off in the street. So since then, Mum's cut me hair. Not that I wanted her to, right? She used to sort of force it on me. What she usually do is she drugs me, gives me a drink of milk with some nightness in it and a mouth like a light. Not 100% sure, but I think she nicked the idea of drugging me milk off the A-team. Every week they'd con BA into a glass of milk and he'd fucking hate flying and he'd say something like, I ain't going on a plane, fool! And then they'd give him a drink of semi-skim milk and he'd be out like a light. Only difference being, he'd wake up on the other side of the country, I'd wake up with a mullet like a 70s footballer. She used to try all sorts out on me. I once woke up, right, I'd gone blonde and I'd got a tight perm. Right, she used to invite me nan round and they'd spend a good hour pointing at me and laughing. Be granted you say, oh bless, and give me 50p for being a brave little soldier. You always used to give me a 50p. Here you go, lad, he'd say. Usually for no reason at all. Sometimes he'd say something like, 50p for my little Randall. Keep your trap shut, your nan doesn't need to know about those magazines underneath me mattress. Top bloke, me granddad. Sometimes, I think about when he used to make those little animals out of tin foil. Elephants, giraffes, cats, dogs, you name it. They were amazing. And he'd say to Nan, Here, Dorothy, look what I've made for you. And she'd take a look at it, scrunch it up into a ball and bung it in the bin. She was never right in the head with me Nan. Right, she'd ask you if you wanted to drink a pop, right? And when you said yes, she'd give you a drink of squash. Now, I've got nothing against squash, right? But, but don't advertise pop and then give me squash. Is it any wonder I used to kick off? Then she'd say, do you want some sweets? Mmm, yes please. And she'd give you four fucking polos. Fucking tapped. She always used to call me an odd child. Odd child. I mean, who calls an eight-year-old an odd child? Always shouting at me, bossing me about. One time, right, I was about seven. And me cousin Alan must have been about five, six. Right, we're digging in the back garden, see if we could dig to Australia. We found this World War II bomb unexploded, about three feet down. She mounted me for that. She said it was all my fault, like I was in charge of the fucking Luftwaffe on the 11th of December 1940. Like I told them to fuck off to Aston and drop the fucking load. I was like, what, minus 30 at the time, something like that? Anyway, she takes Alan into the house and gives me one of Grandad's hammers and told me to go at it right, check if it was live, so I crack fuck out of it and he didn't blow up. Then she gets on the phone to the local Bobby, PC Fishwick, right? He comes round, puts it in the boot of his panda car and makes it to the end of the street and the fucker went off. Took out three houses and the co-op. That was my fault as well. Didn't hit it hard enough, Randall? You wheeled out my lark, girl, you stupid fanny, she said. Grandad gave me 50p not to listen to her. I do miss me Grandad though. 
He was the only person who always had me back. It says on his gravestone, not dead, just sleeping. I've never understood that, because, you know, he was definitely dead when the undertakers took him away. After he died, Nan sold up and moved to Greece and was never heard of again. Well, that's what we thought until recently. Shatchley moved to an end terrace in West Brom. Everybody knew except me. Yeah, odd that, isn't it? Saw old Joe this morning. I knocked on the window and waved, but he pretended he couldn't see me. Yeah, it did upset me slightly, that, but on the plus side, I did see him slip arse over tit on the path and drop his bottle of milk. Says the old codger, right? I even tried to crack up a conversation with a bloke on the end of the emergency two-way speaker thing by the door, but he just keeps saying, Mr Parker, you've been told this is for medical emergencies. And I says to him, being piss-bored and stuck in the house with Covid is a medical emergency. Then he said, who the fuck is still getting Covid? And then hung up. Bit rude, I thought. Not my fault, I didn't ask for it. What a right moody fucker. Tried him again about half an hour ago, but there was no answer. I could be dead in here, or falling over and dying in a pool of my own piss. I was so bored that I even tried to call Big Ken and have a chat with him. I know that if you can steer the conversation round to the government, right, he starts on with his conspiracy theories and you waste at least four fucking hours listening to him. Bang on. He didn't answer, but then about ten minutes later I got a text from him saying that uh, not to contact him whilst I was full of disease, as there had not been enough research into whether you can get Covid over the phone or not. Tell you what, he's a computer genius, but a real-world idiot. Uh, that idiot, Slow Francis, was on the local news again last night. Uh, they're running a reconstruction on his mum's last movements. He seems to be on that programme more often than Bob, you know, the main presenter. Anyway, I was round with Mr White a couple of weeks ago and he was on there last, and it was one of those appeals for information that they have, you know. And they were asking if anyone with any information could come forward. And mum just quietly chuckled to herself, they'll never find her. And then Mr White just quietly turned the TV over. They're a funny lot, my family, especially my Uncle Kenny, Mum's brother. Do often wonder if I was adopted. I lie in bed at night sometimes and imagine that there's going to be this knock at the door and my real mum and dad will turn up and there's been a massive fuck-up at the hospital and I'm a rightful heir to a billion-dollar fortune or something. I often dream about if I was somebody else, you know. I'd love to have a job like James Bond, you know, going round the world shagging women, jumping off buildings, killing people for free. But the most daring thing I do is when I make a pot noodle, I put the soy sauce in before the boiling water. It's driving me mad, all this sitting about doing fuck all. I'm fine doing fuck all when there's other stuff to be done, and I've got the choice of nipping down to the butchers or doing fuck all. Fuck all primarily wins. When it's the only option, there's no fun in it. I might ask Mr White if he could drop me a jigsaw off or something, then I can either do that or fuck all. And probably choose fuck all. Anyway, Martin nip off and try for a crap. Comes to something when curling one out's the highlight here, ain't it? Anyway, I'll catch you tomorrow. Turn off for a bit. Hello, it's Randall Parker here from Randall Parker's Film Club. Welcome back to what feels like day 28 of the Covid Diaries. But in reality, it's only day four. You join me in the kitchen where I'm currently making myself a bit of lunch, even though it's only 10.30 and it's less than an hour since I had me bowl of shreddies. 
if you're in the slightest bit interested, I shall be having shepherd's pie. It's going to be red hot around the outside and frozen solid in the centre. And I would have some peas with it, but I can't be asked to crack open a tin. Last night, Mr White phoned me and said he treated me to a takeaway from the Brown Dragon and they'd be knocking on my door and leaving it outside on my doorstep. Which would have been lovely if old Joe hadn't intercepted it and scoffed the fucking lot. He's been great as Mr White, phones me a couple of times a day, asks if I need anything. He's always been the same, ever since I can remember. He's been knocking around in the background. He was a big help to me mum when I was growing up. When I was little, he used to take me to the cinema on my birthday. Didn't have to, he's just that sort of bloke. He'd turn up with a gift, we'd go to the Wimpy, then go see a film. Always doing stuff like that. One summer, he even took me on holiday. Camping we went. Wasn't just me he used to do it with that. He took Slow Francis with us for some reason. Perhaps it's because he didn't have a dad either. Mr White said that he thought it'd be nice for us to get to know each other. God knows why, the bloke's a fucking moron. He must have spent a fortune. He got all the kit, tent, air bed, sleeping bags, the lot. We are having a great time. The weather was amazing. And to be honest, we are having a whale of a time. It's fucking brilliant. Mr White said it would be easier and cause less confusion if we pretended we were all related and for the holiday we should call him Dad. It was the stuff dreams were made of, fun, games, as much ice cream as you could eat, and on most nights we stayed up till gone nine. It was fucking amazing. Well, that wasn't until about the third or fourth day when Slow Francis burnt the tent down by lighting one of his farts. The vision of an eight-foot flame shooting out of his bare arse will stay with me till the day I die. Shot out like it was a space shuttle taking off, right? Which was fine at first, nice strong flame. Then when it lost a bit of power, it started to curl up like a fox's tail, and he started to panic. Began to roll around on the floor with this flame billowing out of his cornhole, and somehow he managed to ignite the camping stove, and the whole thing just went up. It was fucking carnage. The blades managed to wipe out all of our gear and the neighbouring farm building where Mr White had parked his car. We had to spend the rest of the week in a smelly little caravan on the edge of the farmer's field next to the cow shit heap, uh, with only the clothes we were stood up in, waiting for Mrs White to come and collect us. He's always been an odd kid as Francis, wandered around town chatting shit about Doctor Who and Warhammer to anyone who will listen. A few months ago, right, the dozy bastard corners Mrs Bagley in the post office for an hour talking shit about Warhammer and got onto the subject of how some people think chaos gods can converse with each other directly and how there's another school of thought that thinks this is total bullshit. Poor woman, right, she's in her late 80s, didn't know what the fuck was going on. Wasn't long after that she passed away and a lot of people think it's a direct result of this encounter. There's this popular saying around town that goes, here comes Francis, leg it. Right, and in fact it's become so popular there are loads of variations on it. Right, and sometimes for a joke I hear people say, here comes Randall, leg it. The other day I was in Morrison's and I thought I saw a loaf of bread with Francis's name on it. But on closer examination I realised he said thick cut. Not long on me shepherd's pie now. Got, got an email this morning, thought you might be interested. It's for my arch nemesis, the dark corridor, and it goes, Dear Randall, I heard you are currently suffering from COVID-19. I know personally that this can be quite traumatic, but this time it appears that it's traumatic for your listeners as you are insisting on giving us a daily update on your condition. Whilst I was suffering from COVID-19, I used the time constructively and searched within myself to gain a deeper understanding of what makes me, me. I think perhaps you should take time to reflect on whether your time could be better spent investing in other pursuits rather than continuing with your film club podcasts. I know that we do not see eye to eye on many things and have often commented on how you're vacuous. But honestly, I do wish you a speedy recovery. 
Kind regards, The Dark Corridor. I'm not vacuous. My birthday is the 26th of July, so that makes me a Leo. He says he spent his time searching within himself bollocks. Bet he spent the majority of his time watching Artbeat on RTV3 and his underpants wanking during the adverts. I must be fucking bored. I got really excited when that email came in. Still haven't forgiven me for that Cynthia Rothrock thing. I heard, heard old Joe from next door earlier, you know, he's doing his ten minutes football practice, banging the ball against me wall, life carrying on as normal, and I'm stuck in here. Hope you get the shit from that takeaway, you nicked, you bastard. Going back to Mr. White, he's always been sort of knocking about in the background, you know, birthdays, Christmas, school sports days, parents evening at school. Never understood that one, but I suppose it was company for mum, weren't it? The only time he wasn't there was when I found that lump in me bollock. One day, right, I was just having a crafty check, you know, and there it was, a lump on the side of me knacker. My heart dropped. Oh, it's fucking frightening, I can tell you. I couldn't really go to mum and talk to her about it, and so I went to see my local GP. He had a quick feel, right, booked me in for a scan the following week. Usually, I would have had a word with Mr White, maybe even got him to check when you have a quick feel, but he weren't around. This was just after Mrs White had died, and he'd gone off on his trek across America. Yeah, after she died, he went and drove from Chicago to California. About six weeks doing it. He was telling me about it a few months back and started to bang on about how friendly the Americans are when you've got an English accent. They say things like, Do you know the Queen? Or, Ooh, you sound like Hugh Grant. What a load of shit. And he kept banging on about the fat girls, big fat girls with big fat hands. Yeah, creepy that was. I really could have done with him then. It was a frightening time. I was facing losing a bollock and he was over there having the time of his fucking life. I didn't tell Mum. She would have shouted at me for fiddling, you know, down there. She would have said, that's the reason why you wear glasses. So I went off for my scan on me Todd. Don't like hospitals at the best of times, so went off for my scan on my own. Luckily, though, it turned out to be an unpopped popcorn kernel that had magically found its way into me pants. Funny how Dr De Silva missed that. Oh, lunch is ready. There was a restaurant in the precinct. Ooh. Many, many years ago, everyone used to go, right? Like, even took mum once for her birthday. Right, and the waiter would come over to your table, give you a menu, you'd choose something, I don't know, a lasagna, then the waiter would walk in the back, get his coat, walk past you, walk out the restaurant, straight across the road into farm foods, you'd see him go in, right? Grab a 99p lasagna, walk back across the road, into the restaurant, straight into the back, you'd hear the microwave fire up, ping, then he'd bring you to your table and charge you 12 quid for the privilege. Yeah, they eventually got shut down by the Food Standards Agency a couple of years back for some extra ingredients some of the fellas had been popping in the soup of the day. Yeah, not nice. Right, so I'm off to demolish your shepherd's pie, and if I make it through the night, I'll catch you tomorrow. Ta-da for a bit. Parker, you know, from Randall Parker's Film Club. Welcome to day five into my slow descent into insanity. Uh, don't know whether you can hear or not, but I've sunk so low that I've got CBeebies on. That's right, I think I've finally lost the plot and regressed back to my childhood. Well, actually, what happened was, yesterday afternoon I fell asleep on the sofa with my face on the remote control, and I was woken up with the clangers at full volume, scared the fucking shit out of me, it did. But it did make me realise one of two things. One, that my telly can go up really, really loud. 
and two, programmes for kids are quite soothing. Symptoms-wise, I'm fine apart from being pissed bored. I, I wonder if they put any research into whether it's boredom killing all these people with Covid. Makes you think, doesn't it? That's what I think. What's happened since yesterday? Well, Mr White popped round and dropped off some jigsaws and a bumper bag of snacks and food because he won't be able to pop round tomorrow he's got a few important things on. Uh, never really got the hang of jigsaws before but I stuck with this one right and I powered on through and within a couple of hours I'd cracked the fucker. Right proud I was. And a bit later, I'd ramp up the pressure and have a go at the 50-piece one. You know, really challenge myself. This got me thinking about all the great toys I used to have as a kid. Didn't have many, but uh, but the ones I had were fucking amazing. I had this gun rod, and you used to pull in a toy car, and you shot the fucker out at high speed. It'd fucking fly at the end, right? I got it confiscated when I shot Danny Tucker in the face at point-blank range, and he had to wear a pair of glasses with a plaster over him for the rest of primary school. I've forgotten how much I love me toy cars, and if I'd still got them, I'd probably have them all out by now, and I'd be playing with them, you know. I've got a rug as well, right, like a road, and I used to lose days playing with them. All gone now, lost, lost at the fire of the old place. I was the first kid to have a skateboard on the estate. Mr White got it for me for my seventh birthday. Never got the hang of it, you know. That got confiscated as well. Right, we used to go to the top of this big hill right near us, and we send it off down there with a paving slab on, see how fast we could get it to go. Right, there was this one time, right, we sent it down the hill, and it hit a petrol tanker, right, going through the high street. Busted front wheel, it overturned, and ended up buried in the front of the shoe shop. Ended up on the main news, that did. We were all quite chuffed about that. And did you know, right, by law, no one could smoke in the high street for the next three years, just in case the shop blew up? When I say we, I mean the gang. You know, there was me, Cousin Alan, Mickey Dawson, Donny Tucker, Mark Richard, Pete Arnold, and sometimes Kung Fu Dan, but he was a couple of years younger than us at school. And on the rare occasion, Janet would pop along. Obviously, this was before she gained Dirty Janet and became Party Janet. Yeah, me, Mark, Donny, Pete Arnold and Janet were all in the same class at primary school, and the others were just kids off the estate. During the big summer holidays, we'd meet up every morning, right, and then we'd fuck off for the day, right, and not come back till tea time. We used to get up to all sorts of stuff, you know, fun and games. I'd probably be banned now, most of the stuff we got up to. Sometimes, right, we'd go swimming in the Walsall Canal, right, and we'd see what we could find on the bottom of it, you know, we'd go down expecting to find buried treasure and end up with a bike wheel or something like that. There was one game we used to play in the canal, and that was to see who could have their head held under the water for the longest ride. I used to go first, and no matter how hard I tried, they always used to push my head back under, time after time. Oh, it was a right laugh, right? I was so good at it, right, that I was like the champion at it, right? And whenever it was anyone else's turn, they just wouldn't want to go. That's some fucking great games. There was this one game, right? We used to play it in the autumn, right? There's this shitty bit of waste ground that we used to go to, that we refer to as the park, right? It's where everyone used to go to burn all the rubbish, you know, the bin men refused to take. Anyways, there was some crab apple trees there, right? And we'd take it in turn, right, to stand next to the pile of burning shit, right? And all the others would throw these apples at you and try and knock your ass over tit onto the bonfire. I'd usually go first, right, and they'd be lobbing these apples at me, but, you know, I'll tell you what, if they hit, they fucking hurt, right? And we'd take ten minutes turns at this, right? But usually, after my go, everyone had to go home for the tea, so I rarely got a go of throwing. Probably best, because my aim's a bit wanky now. As I said, some of us were in the same primary school class, Mrs Meekin's class, right? But that was until she had to retire after her stroke. After that time, I told her our babies were really made. 
I remember this one time, right? I must have been about nine. We were playing up by the garages near the big houses on the posh estate, you know. And there's this one garage, right? And it was open, right? And in it was this box. Now, I don't know why we presumed that the garage must have been abandoned, but we went over the little box, right? And there were these bags of Maltesers, you know, not the small bags, the big ones, you know, you'd get when it was your birthday or you're going to the picture, something like that. Anyway, Donny took a dive straight in, nabs a bag and tucks into him, and then he's demolishing the old bag and then says, fucking hell, it tastes all manky. So he decided to leave the rest of them behind, right? We go off to play football in Queen's Park and Donny Tucker goes this sort of pale green colour. And then he says he feels like crap. Then he pukes his ring upright and his teeth start falling out. Anyway, he was rushed to hospital and had to have his stomach pumped, right? And they had to pull out all of the teeth he'd got left, right? He's worn dentures ever since. He was off school for fucking ages and no one was allowed to visit him. To this day, no one knows what's caused it. But personally, I think it might have had something to do with them Maltesers yet. It all seemed to change not long after that. We all went off to the big school and we all got put in different classes. They all went off to the main school and I went off to the mobile classrooms. That's where R1 had the lessons, you know, the classroom with the ramps and the widened doors. Yeah, you kind of lose touch when you go to the big school, don't you? Sometimes I'd see a few of them knocking around town with their new mates, the cool kids, and they'd throw chips at you and call me Randall Fuckface Four Eyes. And then I'd ask them back in front of all their cool mates if they remembered the time they shat their pants eating six pack of minty toffos. And sure enough, that shut them the fuck up. I often see members of the gang knocking about, you know, now and again. We nod to each other, sometimes have a catch-up. And in fact, Donny Tucker is moving in across the way in one of the bungalows here, now that his wife's kicked him out since he ended up in a wheelchair after that spider bite. Sorry, sorry about that. Just got distracted by CBeebies. They have some good-looking presenters on here. She should be on the main telly. Gonna have to find out her name. Very nice. I had a phone call this morning off a bloke, right, asking if everything was going okay with myself isolating. Don't know if he was from the police, council, government or what. I think he was just checking up on me, making sure I wasn't spreading my germs around the place. He called me mid-tug, so I was a bit off with him, right. Then he started banging on about God, and so I just put the phone down on him. You always try to catch it, you know, he's dead, don't do them bastards. I'm trying to say positive, but it is hard, you know, what we've been stuck in. It might be a good opportunity to learn a new skill, you know. I always had a feeling I'd be quite musical, and if I had to go on a piano, I'd be fucking amazing at it. I've always fancy to go bongos. Looks piss easy whenever you see someone doing it on the telly, don't they? I must practice on two tins of paint I found in the shed. Sounded pretty good. Something I'll just mention. In the bag of supplies Mr White dropped off, he slipped in a four-pack of topics. Never had a topic before. Always wanted to try one, and when we used to go shopping as a lad, I'd always ask Mum for one, and she'd say, Oh, Randall, they're for posh folk, not for the larks of us. She used to say the same about Alpen. So I'm going to give those the respect they deserve and have one for me pudding, you know, after me tea later on. I'll let you know how I get on tomorrow. I think that's it for now. Uh, catch you tomorrow, unless I'm dead. Ta-ra for a bit. listening to Randall Parker from Randall Parker's Film Club. Day six of my COVID diaries, stuck here in isolation for at least ten fucking days. Lost track of the actual days, I think it's Saturday, 
but you can't be too sure. I've lost all sense of time. Just don't care anymore. I've taken to wandering around the house in just my vest and pants and appear to have lost all my sense of dignity. Today, you find me in the bathroom, sat on the bog, trying to cast out a tud. First bit came out a treat, and I'm just sitting here waiting for the second wave, but this fucker's digging his seals in. It won't budge. You don't want to force too hard, do you? Because you don't want to put an eye out. And you know full well the moment I pull my trousers up, Mr Brown's going to come a-knocking. Shortly before I started recording, and just reached the point of no return, I noticed that I'd run out of shit roll. Now, there are two options available here. Option one, wash my arse in the sink. Not ideal. Or option two, waddle across the bathroom and pick up that booklet jammed between the bath and the door and use that. Not fully sure what that is. It might be the instructions from the lateral flow test that got me in the trouble in the first place. And that'd be quite ironic, wouldn't it? Wiping shit on the things that shat on me. Normally I'd text Mr White and ask him to drop a roll or two off, but he's got something on today and won't be available. He did say that he'd drop me a care package off tomorrow morning and he dropped me a bumper bag of goodies off yesterday. He goes an extra mile for his staff, don't he? Just following up on something from yesterday, I had one of those topics last night for me tea and it was fucking amazing. I've put the rest of them away for a special occasion. You don't want to rush luxury like that, do you? Now normally, I do love a Saturday. Not every Saturday, but at least once a month, I'll nip into town, go into the market and treat myself to one of Edgebury's specialities. Now you know certain places have their own speciality, don't they, like Bakewell has its tarts, Eccles has its cakes, that sort of thing. Well, Edgebury is no different. We have something called an Edgebury pie. What the fuck is one of them, you might ask? Well, an Edgebury pie is a bit like a pork pie, but with fried eggs in the middle instead of pork. Fucking lovely, hot or cold, right? I love mine, with a big dollop of red sauce. And I could fucking murder one now. Well, not right now. I can't recall ever eating anything while sat on the pot. I don't think chewing gum counts for that, does it? wonder how long over the years I've spent sat on the bog. Where's my phone? Hang on. Hang on. There we are. Right. Okay, calculator. Let's see. So, if I have three tip-outs a day, each one taking an average of five minutes, that's 15 minutes a day, Times are by 365, that's 5,475 minutes a year. Times are by 51, that's 279,225 minutes. Divide that by 60, that's 194 days, right? That's six months curling one out. That's not even counting having a piss as well. Fucking hell. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Just wait there, babe. Right. Okay, so based on using one and a half metres of bog roll per shit, and I'm being conservative there, right, sometimes I do like to make myself a sort of bog roll boxing glove, I've used, right, ready for this, 51,000 miles of shit roll. Fuck me. Wonder what that is in volume of cack. How would you even go on working out the average volume of a dump? I suppose if you think about it, you get three bananas to a pound. Ooh. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <coughs> no, nothing yet. I used to love a Saturday when I was a kid, watching the wrestling, sausages for tea, and every Saturday night I'd be allowed a bag of crisps, a chocolate bar, and a can of pop. It's no wonder I'm the size of a house end, is it? Some Saturdays, Mr White used to take me out, usually when his wife had gone off to his sister's. I think it was company for him, you know. He'd take me to all sorts of places, the zoo, the park, he even once took me to the football, even though I don't like football that much. 
but they did have pies and bovril, and I do like pies and bovril. I know a lot of people go out on the piss on a Saturday night, don't they? But, as you know, alcohol and me don't really mix. I've been known to make a bit of a show of myself after a shandy or two. Hang on. No, just firing blanks that time. Shame, it shows such promise. Whatever happened to Saturday night telly? Fucking shard now, ain't it? I mean, whatever happened to Ballymore? He was everywhere and then he just disappeared. Me and Mum fucking loved him. You bet. Do you remember that? It was where people could basically show off their crap skills, you know. Uh, I don't know, I could throw a 50p over a block of flats or something. I don't know, shit like that. Gladiators, that was another good one, wasn't it? Basically, it was a show where a bunch of bodybuilders whacked up on steroids and beat the fuck out of members of the public with giant cotton wool buds. And in between that, they shout abuse at the audience. I used to film that down the road at the Birmingham Arena. Went to watch them do it once, right, and I got ejected when I threw a beer bottle of Wolf. I'll just notice, I've got the top window open here, right, a little bit of an air in, right. And I've never noticed this before, right, but you get a much better view of the student nurses' accommodation from here. Yeah, much better than the bedroom. Must be the angle or something. I bet if you stood in the bath and stuck your head out the window, you'd get a right eyeful. Give that a go tonight when it's gone dark. Wait there, I'm going... There we go, that's the payoff. Oh, that's much... Oh, that's better. Oh, it took some doing that, did... Hey-ho, we got there, didn't we? The only question left now is sink or make it across to the COVID test booklet? Yeah, it's got to be the booklet, I think, and it's more dignified. Hang on a minute. Hang on. I'm trying to touch my cheeks together. Right. Oh, right, let's have a look then. Let's pull this apart. Don't want a stray staple causing any trouble, do we? Thought you were supposed to piss on these fuckers. Oh, Jesus, you've got to be fucking joking. What a bastard. Looks like I've done the fucking test wrong. Thought you pissed on it, you know, like a pregnancy test stick. Oh, fucking... What a cock-up. They should make these things more fucking simple, shouldn't they? Well, I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm off to do another test, and I'll catch up with you tomorrow. Ta-da for a bit. Fucking hell. You're listening to Randall Parker from Randall Park's Film Club, and I'm in a fucking mood. As you will undoubtedly be able to hear, I'm sat in Queen's Park having a bit of fresh air. Well, fresh air that's been tainted with a stench of dog piss. But it's heaven compared to being stuck in my bungalow for the best part of the week, breathing in my own farts. Turns out that pissing on a Covid test doesn't give an accurate reading. You've got to stick this long cocktail stick thing up your snotter, and that works better. So right fucking mig roll, you stick it up your nose right, then the back of your throat, swish it round in this pot, drop a snot mixture on this little test stick, and hey presto. You'd have thought they made it a bit easier than that, wouldn't you? Just like having a piss on a stick. I mean, they can tell if you're up the duff with piss, right, you can tell if you're a diabetic with a piss. Surely they can come up with a test for Covid using piss. 
What are these scientists doing with their time? So I'm COVID free, never had the fucking thing in the first place. So all this bollocks was for nothing. If you listen hard enough, you'll probably be able to hear old Joe from next door, still laughing his bag off. No sympathy for the fact I'd been wrongly incarcerated. He just pointed at me and called me a dozy bastard. Don't normally sit on this bench. This one stinks of piss. But I can't get over to me normal bench, as there's that blue police tape all across the path and you can't get to it. Not quite sure what's going on, but there's a few coppers milling around and one of them big white tents up, you know, that they put up. I'll tell you what the fucking rigmarole I had to go through to get out. I'd phone up the NHS hotline and get permission to leave me home. I kept on getting put through to different departments. I'd say to one person that had done the test wrong and they'd ask how, so I'd tell them. Then they'd laugh and after a short while they'd say something like, Oh Dave would love to hear this, let me put you through to Dave. And the old cycle would start again. It took about two and a half hours to get the OK to leave the bungalow. Once I'd got that, I got dressed and tried to call Mr White a few times to let him know what had happened. But he kept going straight to answer phone. So that sort of took me up to about four o'clock. So I went for a walk around Morrison's, just because I could. And a walk around the estate. And I went off to see Mum at Mr White's, only the place was in darkness. So I thought, I'll set off to her, see if she's there, only she weren't. At that time, I thought that was a bit odd. All this time I'd been giving Mr White a call on his mobile and there was still no reply. And I thought, this must have been about half six. And I thought, that was a bit odd. You know, I thought whatever he was doing, it'd be sorted by now. So I went to my bungalow and had my tea. I've been sat down for about half an hour and I thought, why not go, you know, for a walk and uh, catch up with all the gossip and go visit Tommy Slippers down the chippy. You know, what we've been out the loop for so long. So I get down the chippy, but he's closed, which is strange. So I go to the Brown Dragon, see if he's there, but that's closed as well. Tried to find party Janet, but she weren't there either. Right, I even went to Latif's petrol station, right, and that's shut, and that's always fucking open. So, everywhere I went was shut. It was like a fucking ghost town. This is everyone had disappeared off the face of the earth. I did begin to wonder if they declared another lockdown, because let's face it, I would have only known if there'd have been a news flash on CBeebies. Then I thought to myself, I know. I'll go down the dog and partridge, that's bound to be open, because they were unofficially open all through the lockdowns. Glass-eyed Duncan, right, the landlord, he didn't give a fuck and just kept serving throughout. So I popped and I was at the top of the street and all the lights were on and music was pumping out, right. But I guess to the door, right, and tries it, but it won't open, it's locked. And there's a sign saying, closed, private function. That's right fucking odd, I thought. So I nips around the back, right, to where the beer garden is, right, and there's these big glass doors and I have a peep in, right. And pretty much every fucker from the town was in there having a massive party, dancing, drinking, generally fucking about, right? Tommy Slippers was there dancing with Dirty Janet, Uncle Kenny in his wheelchair, Auntie Christine pushing him backwards and forwards in time to the music. Right? And there's this big long table, right, with the remains of a huge fucking buffet on it, right? And then I saw it there, this banner saying, Congratulations, Frank and Maureen White. Right, then I saw the pair of them, centre of the dance floor, Mum and Mr White all dressed up, Mum in this posh white frock and Mr White in his best suit. I wondered to myself, what the fuck is going on? So I tried the big glass door and luckily it was unlocked, so I let myself in and I asked Mum and Mr White, what the fuck's going on? Well it turns out that Mum and Mr White decided to get married. Mr White managed to get a cancellation at the registry office and he says to me, it was too good an opportunity to miss. They thought it would be kinder not to tell me, as I was stuck in the bungalow on me Todd, and they didn't want me to feel left out. 
I was fucking fuming. Most of the decent grub had gone off the buffet. All that was left was half a quiche and some cocktail sausages that had been burned to fuck. Tell you what, it's a good job I'm not a suspicious bloke. Otherwise, I could have thought they'd done this on purpose whilst I was out of the way so I couldn't scupper their plans. Anyway, the party starts to die down a bit and then I notice Slow Francis is sat at the main table next to Mum and Mr White. And I asked her what the fuck is fat-handed Beryl's done soon sat next to her on her wedding day. She tells me that since I've been in isolation, he's been like a son to her and looked after her so well and been so supportive with all the wedding plans. Then I says to him, I'm back on the scene, so thanks for the help and you can fuck off now. But Mum says he's going nowhere as he's stopping with her and Mr White at Mr White's house and get this, they've given him the room that I sleep in. So I asked Mr White, are you okay with having the local village idiot move in with you? And he says, Randall, kid, I thought you were settled at your bungalow. I've no idea what he meant by that. Anyways, when I set him straight, he said that he felt he owed it to Francis to look after him since his mum went missing. What with him being a friend of Fat Andy Bell for many years, way back before Francis was born. I was taken aback by all of this, didn't know what to think, and then I was hit by the revelation that, as of Monday, Slow Francis is starting work at Warden Bailey Fabrications whilst I'm stuck on emergency permanent furlough until fuck knows when. Right pissed me off that did, and I have to admit, I did lose me temper a bit. So you can probably see why I'm in a mood. There I was yesterday morning, sat on the bog having a cack, whilst the whole world was at the wedding of the fucking year. That fucker's taken me mum, me bedroom, me fucking job. He better watch his fucking back. But the one thing he can't take away from me is Film Club. I'll look at getting that back up and running in a couple of weeks, probably sometime around about 7th of February, something like that, so keep your ears out for that. So to sum up, I've not had COVID, not needed to lock myself away, not needed to record a COVID diary, and pretty much wasted your time and my time with this mess of bollocks, haven't I? And to top it all off, I've missed out on a massive fucking buffet. I think I've got a nip-off for an all-you-can-eat carvery down at the Lamb and Flag, Best give the dog and partridge a wide berth after I turned that table over last night. Tada for a bit. <laughs>